up, everybody? You're listening to Cinephile's Digest. This is episode 119, and on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Can't wait to get into it. Should be a fun discussion, but first things first, let me introduce my co-host, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello, Matthew. So before we talk about the movie, I have a... uh, confession to make something that i've been wrestling with over the last if i'm being honest with myself Mm. over the last several years but it's just to me the the show everyone the world the world okay (laughs) (laughs) um but it's been spurred on by by this this film that we're reviewing gotta save Um, it for the pod (laughs) yeah dude this is my coming out it's gotta be on air (laughs) ever since i was a little kid i would have described myself as a Batman guy, you know. I love Here Batman. I love Batman. Too. <laughs> but if I'm being honest with myself, I think I might have to change gears, and I think I might have to just like. I I, I took a long look at myself in the mirror, and I was like, you know what, Matt? I think you're a Spider-Man guy now. And wow. it's not just because of this movie. We'll get into the movie, but. I just, Spider-Man, he's just a m- way more interesting hero to me. Like, if I'm being honest with myself, I just... One, I mean, the, the track record of, of, like... When did you have this reflection? IP. Was it during the movie, after the movie? Well, when I... It's been in the works for years. <laughs> if I So, I honestly, I think it started with the PlayStation Spider-Man games. Because I okay. fucking loved them. Um, but I wasn't ready. I was just wasn't ready yet. You know, I just didn't want to admit it yet. Um, There's been I some great Batman games, though. Um, there there have been, but I would pick those two PlayStation Spider-Man games over the Arkham. Fair enough. Batman There's games. nothing like swinging around the city. I mean, it's it's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I wasn't that familiar with Miles Morales as a character. So once you add him into the mix with Peter Parker, I'm like, ugh. I just, I just gotta be honest with myself. I think I'm a Spider-Man guy, and Haley bought me like a Spider-Man like plushy guy that I love. That was you know years ago, but I love him. Mm-hmm. And she bought me like a uh, when we lived in Orlando, she uh, used to volunteer at the local library, and there was this artist who volunteered at the library who had like a basically it's like they make art out of old vinyl records, so they like melt down the vinyl and like you know make things out of it like warp it and do like installations and stuff with it and she got me this like vinyl like web thing that a spider-man action figure is like staged in and it sits on a pedestal pretty sweet um so you know it's just the things i own are spider-man things the games i play are spider-man things the movies i love are spider-man things uh no superhero movies cracked my top 100 of all time except do you remember no sam raimi's spider-man 2 was the only right. spider the only superhero <laughs> movie that cracked my top 100 so i mean maybe maybe that's where i was like all right get real like it's got to be spider-man but i think i'm ready i'm finally ready I've spent my first, you know, 32 years of my life as a Batman guy. I think I'm going to spend the second 32 years as a Spider-Man guy. Anyway, that's my little my little spiel. 
a new chapter in your narrative. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's love, it's love everything's about it. narrative building. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we just had a conversation about that off air with Paris a couple of days ago and uh, it's now all it's, narratives. <laughs> now it's come in uh, full circle with starting the show out with a new one. Yeah, you know, I'm not really making the case for myself. Show I'm kind of this. the opposite case I was making. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, part of it was it's always like DC versus Marvel, and I've always been like on the DC side, but like that's a mm-hmm. whole other conversation because obviously Marvel's got the upper hand in, in the IP arena. Generally speaking, you know, there's Damn. Some DC stuff, So you turned but, you know. over to the dark side. I still don't know if I still I'm not I'm not ready to call myself a a Marvel guy just because I'm a big Superman guy too. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there's a Superman uh, pivot that's going to happen in the midst of all this, but uh, still, still DC as a general IP DC comic book superheroes. I'm still DC versus Marvel on the DC side. You know, since the uh, Batman guy slot is vacant now, I think I'll just slide right in there. You're welcome to it. Thank you. Honestly, I would I would love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually perfect timing. Robert Pattinson's Batman now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what it's better the changing time of the guards? Yeah, to slide in <laughs> than now. Absolutely. And then um, Paris will just be our our MCU head, which she's been for a while. But you know, yes. Although it was Tom, but you know, Tom had to step out, and then Paris gracefully stepped into his shoes, and now right. now she's you- our MCU guy. When he gave uh, what Civil War ten minutes before he <laughs> before he turned it DNF after ten minutes, <laughs> that was when he gave up his slot as the MCU guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I'm out." He didn't even. I, Tom saw uh, like the conclusion of the Phase Three Marvel stuff, right? Like he he was still on the show when we did uh, Endgame hmm. and and that stuff, right? Yeah, because that was 2019. That was pre-pandemic, so he still would have been okay. Yeah. I'm assuming he saw those movies, though. I mean, that feels like a lifetime ago, if I'm being honest. It does. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he would have been a part of those uh, that era of the show. So all of that feels like a lifetime ago, pre-COVID, <laughs> when Tom was a regular host, when Marvel did not conclude it its yeah. Well, Mar- MCU, MCU, when we gave a shit about the MCU, yeah. Now life's just coming at us way too fast. I just don't have time for that shit, you know? Had to make a decision. I think we both did. Have you mm-hmm. seen an MCU movie since? Oh, yeah, I've uh, seen a few. The second Spider-Man? Yes. Chelsea's all in. She loves oh, yeah? the Marvel stuff. So I get roped into them here and there. Yeah, reluctantly. Yeah, but... I don't care to follow the through line, really. It's just I watch them all as standalone movies. Some are better than others, but they all kind of feel the same still. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the ones that people say feel different, they, they don't really. Let's be honest. Black no. Panther, not that fucking different than all the other ones, you know, if we're being honest. But. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the good movie. Good Black movie. Panther. But. Oh, I still haven't seen it either. All right. Well. What That's else has been going on? Superhero stuff. Uh, well, I mean, not really, but we're going to spend the next true. probably 30 <laughs> minutes talking about superhero <laughs> stuff. But for now, that's enough superhero <laughs> stuff. Anyway, what's what's been going on? Uh, just got back from Texas not too long ago. Oh, yeah. So, you were there for, you and Chelsea were there for what, like a week or so? About a week and a half. Very nice. Had a blast, I'm sure. Uh, 
visited Houston for the most part because that's where some of my family lives and uh, spent a weekend in Austin, which did not really go as planned. Three out of four of us got sick at different times in Austin. And so (laughs) it just, there was never really a good time to all go out and have fun together. So that was kind of a bummer. Brutal. Like sick, like uh, like tummy stuff sick or like just All got like a flu bug dude. or something? Oh, man. Every orifice was Well, huh? yeah, I, th- I think Tyler might have gotten food poisoning. I don't know what I got, but the second night I was there was like one of the worst experiences I've had for like a six-hour stretch. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the first night in Austin was a lot of fun. I went to Rainy Street. I don't know if that's the most popular street to hang out on in Austin, but it's got to be one of them based on how it was set up. But uh, a lot of cool spots with uh, like outdoor live music and some good cocktails and some good atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. And then um, Houston, it was mostly just you know spending time with the fam, Checked out downtown a little bit. Went to an Astros game. Got some barbecue. You know. The stuff you usually do in Houston. The classics. (laughs) (laughs) I did go to a new brewery, though. That's not too far from where Tyler lives. So if you ever go visit, I highly recommend Excalibur Brewing in Old Springtown. Excalibur, huh? That's yeah. that's a new is is it a new brewery or just new to you, new to you? Uh, newer brewery, but new to me. They just had their third anniversary, but I don't know. You go in oh, there, that's, that's new, and you would think they'd been in business for years because they have like forty to fifty taps, and they have like every style you can think of. They forty have to fifty taps of their like, own shit. Of their own shit? Yeah, dude, it's Jesus Christ. Even Great Notion doesn't have that many. They have like they have like quadruple IPAs, they have like the milk sugar IPAs, they have West Coast IPAs, hazy IPAs, and that's just the IPAs. And they have (laughs) they have sours, they have regular stouts, barrel aged stouts, barley wines, red red ales, ambers, like literally any beer style you're into or can think of, they have something. And all of the ones I tried were actually really solid, especially those stouts. I had a 17% stout. It was pretty sick. Whoa, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you love those high ABVs. You were probably oh, yeah. creaming over that thing. But that is a dope Damn. spot, and it's not too far from a really good barbecue spot. So definitely spend an afternoon in old Springtown if you get the chance. Hell yeah. Next time uh, Haley and I visit out there, we'll have to, you'll have to remind me so that we can make uh, Tyler and Carly drag us there again. For sure. Sick, dude. Well, it's a bummer that you, uh, that everybody got sick in Austin, but. Um, oh, we did overall? also. Yes, we did venture out to Lake Travis. Shout out. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was beautiful. Probably the most beautiful thing I saw in Houston or in Texas by a mile. That's yeah, pretty low bar in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Very but cool. Yeah, overall, solid trip. Nice. All right. Anything else? Mm, no, that's it. I got a couple trips coming up here, but I'll report on those later. Mm-hmm. You'll wait till after the fact. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are you ready to do this thing? Nothing new with you beyond uh, your revelation, your Spider-Man oh, revelation. Dude, that's my coming to God moment. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. You know, same old, same old. It's fucking beautiful out here. It's um, it's but rained like, twice in the last like month. It seems like so. Just living life, dude. We are having some great weather. Mm-hmm. With more to come. Yeah. No, nothing new to report. That's it for me. For preamble stuff, anyway. Oh, I did buy a Blackstone actually, but like a oh, uh, like a little one, like one of the portable ones, like a seventeen. Welcome to the club. That's all yeah. you really need. Yeah, yeah but well, we want to be able to like, uh, we're right by Birch Bay State Park, so it's like we want to grab one. We don't have a ton of space, and then two, it's like we plan on doing a lot of grilling at the park because mm-hmm. we have Discover passes and stuff. So it's it's easy to just like go with my parents and. Grill some, you know, steaks or burgers or chicken, hot dogs, whatever we're grilling. So, um, have yet to open the box because it just got here <laughs> on Sunday. So, I still got to like season it and shit, but excited to get into that. But beyond that, huge. Did you oh, know yeah, Chelsea's brother works for Blackstone? I knew that he was like somehow either like a social media influencer or worked for them or something because I've seen his like. TikToks like demonstrating um, oh yeah like recipes or like how to use the black like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but no i didn't know he was officially does he does he just do like social media like he has uh, the coolest kind of job stuff? dude <laughs> <laughs> he does the social media stuff but then beyond that he basically just goes to expos all over the country slash world and his company pays his way and you know he has to do a little presentation and Maybe a little content, but beyond that, he's just living the dream, Damn. traveling on someone else's dime, just cooking, doing demos, showing off that Blackstone. Yep, traveling the world. Damn, that's sick. Now we have the big old thirty-six incher, and but we only got that one because he offered it to us at a discounted rate, and he would deliver it and everything. It was kind of like, a, this is the one we got, and it's for sale. And we said yes. I mean, how could you not if you got the inside? I mean, that thing is a beast. I, I saw pictures oh, of yeah. it, and then I saw the price tag, and I was like, oh, not for me. But, yeah, dude, with that discount, that thing is sick. I wish I had had one of those. Oh, and we are in the middle of building a deck in the backyard. I have not participated oh, at all, but <laughs> <laughs> the work is being done. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's going to be sick. So, you know, deck plus Blackstone equals Great Dad. Summer. Yeah, <laughs> your full dad mode. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, uh, we're huge. shooting for uh, July for the completion of that deck. So uh, look for your invite in the mail shortly after that. Oh yeah, gonna break oh, it in. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna huge. Be huge. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, thank you, Blackstone, for sponsoring uh, this episode. Appreciate it. Thanks for the five grand. That we uh, split between <laughs> us. That was beautiful. Appreciate it. Um, but let's move on to our review. What All do you right. say? Let's talk some movies. Oh, yeah. Back to comic book stuff. All right. Main review of the show. We're going to be talking Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel 
to the 2018 film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Plot synopsis, Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Film is directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, Dave Callahan. And the film features the voices of a whole host of people, including Shamik Moore, Haley Stein, Sten, Steinfeld, Jesus, Brian Tyree Henry, Luna Lauren Velez, Jake Johnson, Oscar Isaac, Jason Schwartzman, Issa Rae. Daniel Kaluuya, I mean, just a stacked voice cast. The list goes on, but I'll uh, I'll leave it there. So, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I guess we can start with a brief uh, a brief recap of Into the Spider-Verse. We did do an episode on it, I believe. So, if you're curious to know what we thought uh, in depth on that movie, you can revisit that episode. But um, if my memory serves me correctly, I think we were both pretty big fans of that movie do you know what you gave uh star rating wise the first one do you remember i think i gave it a four on first watch and then i saw it again and gave it a 4.5 okay okay so you're you know it's you're heading in the right direction yeah. yeah um i was on the right side of history i gave it a five um rewatched <laughs> it <laughs> Um, Haley had never seen it, so uh, I've been trying to get her to watch it, but it's it's hard to get her to care about Spider not Spider Man stuff to get her to care about like comic book stuff, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but we finally did it; she loved it as well, and I liked it just as much, if not more, than the first time I saw it. Um, so solid five Sorry, for me. You did rewatch this recently? Yes, like probably two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, that was my plan, but. Um, well, I saw this on vacation and didn't really plan to see it on vacation, the second one. But my plan was to to rewatch the first one and then go see the second one. But now my plan is to just wait till the third one and rewatch both in anticipation f- for the third. There you go. That's a good plan. But, I mean, it, to some in summation, it was a movie that, you know, we both liked slash loved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think is accurate, yeah. Um, so here we are five years later with a sequel, um, which we now know is part of a trilogy, which I don't, I don't know if that was clear beforehand. I don't really remember if the marketing made it clear, if we knew that there was going to be three or not. I feel like probably could have assumed as much, but, um, I want to say it was maybe announced as like a two-parter back in the day, but then leading up to it, I don't know if that was part of the marketing at all probably not because they don't want you thinking you're going to get half a movie you know right which we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back to that later in in uh, the review um, but to kick things off uh what were your thoughts on spider-man across the spider-verse all right yeah before you get your white goo all over this thing let me uh <laughs> don't worry i'll talk to you. I'll, I'll talk to you up wherever you lean. i'll talk to you up. don't worry all right so Watching this towards the beginning, I was thinking, oh, this is better than the first. Huge. Animation's better. Like the the direction we're trending in. Don't have to do the whole uh, origin story thing because we already did that in the first one. So I was really vibing with this second one. 
And then the last hour or so, I was, well, maybe less than an hour, but the last part of it was not vibing with it as much. And I'll say due to the fact that it does seem like there's a lot thrown of it, thrown at us at the end, and the movie is pretty long, so I was starting to feel its length. This is has to be the longest animated movie I've ever seen uh, <laughs> by at least 30 minutes. <laughs> well, that might be an exaggeration, but it, it's still a very long animated movie. Avatar, dog. No, that's live action. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, towards the end, I was, it was kind of losing me a little bit just because it was introducing a lot and I'd already feel like we'd spent a lot of time watching it. And then I don't know if it was like if I just like lost uh, my interest for like a second or whatever, but the ending to me felt very abrupt. And while watching the movie, I didn't have that in my mind that it was there was going to be a part three or whatever. And I just don't know if this movie left off at a great spot. I think it should have went a little further or cut it off a little sooner, found a way to like tidy it up a little bit quicker. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, overall, still a big fan. I think I might give the first one the edge just because it's a little more uh complete as a story from beginning to end but uh yeah animation was spectacular i really loved anything to do with sound like the music the sound design the score all how all that was weaved in and out of the movie i thought was excellent um yeah i think that's good for initial thoughts cool okay um, so I think it's probably, okay, so on from a pure, like, animation perspective, I think it's the best I've ever seen. Like, visually, I think it's, it's unique. I think it's definitely a step up from the first one, which was already one of the best animated films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, just the ability to, like, have all of these disparate like pieces come together in a way that actually feels like a cohesive movie because i mean this there's a multiverse in this movie obviously so it's like pulling from all sorts of different like animation styles and ips and just like does so in a way that feels very unique and like is incredibly well animated but it's still it doesn't feel out of place with maybe one exception um well maybe two there's technically two but it's like there is a live action element which is more of just like a cameo type thing you know i was Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that i wasn't super crazy about it was kind of funny but see that that stuff uh, doesn't really bother me because the movie is already so like zany and they're already throwing everything at you anyways. So, you know, why, why not get a little live action nugget in there? <laughs> See, I wouldn't, I just, I wouldn't say it <laughs> bothered me, but you kind of have to do that. Cause it also alludes to like some of the live action Spider-Man films. So it's like mm-hmm. that, that would probably feel more weird if they didn't do it in some of these other sequences. So I, I guess I can give us some credit there, but, um, 
that's the only thing I can point to visually that I would be like, eh, I'm not like 100% in on. Everything else I was just blown away by. Like, I saw this movie with Haley and my, my sister, and Haley did not like this one as much as the first one. And she said she was a little bored and me and my, both me and my sister were like, what? You were bored. Cause like, I think it's one of the most, like if I had to think of one word to describe this movie, I would probably go with overstimulating. It's just like, there's so much happening on screen at any given moment. And it's just like the scenes, move really fast which i appreciated from a pacing perspective but i did also really appreciate when it would slow down and take and take its time for some of the more character driven stuff Mm -hmm. um but there's a lot going on it's one of those movies that i feel like i'm not really going to fully appreciate until i see it again just because there's so much like in the backgrounds of scenes too that i probably missed yeah i mean i would agree with that and it's funny you mentioned the overstimulation because that was one of chelsea's gripes coming out of the movie that it, it was just too much for her at times to where it took her out of the movie. Yeah. And I could totally see that, especially I'm, I'm going to assume that Chelsea's probably not a Spider-Man guy. Like I am. Is that a fair assumption from a nerd, no. like a nerd, like a nerd, like hard on for Spider-Man and comic book, like Easter egg no. stuff, you know, like that kind of thing. Right. Um, and Haley is the same way. So it's like, I could totally see someone who's like, you know, not as invested in the character and the stories being a little bit like, okay, this is, there's a lot going on. I don't really know what to look at. Like there's just too much, but I was just like obsessed, like start to finish everything that was happening. Like all the little Easter eggs that happened. Just rock all solid. It's hard. <laughs> I could cut glass with that thing, dude, in that theater the whole time. Just, and I just, even like the emotional beats too. I think, I mean, you know me, I love emotional beats. Oh, I think yeah. that is what elevates it above just eye candy for me. Like the way that they treat these characters and the screen time that they give everybody. I, I mean, I've seen a criticism that some people think that it like sidelines Miles a bit in favor of Gwen. Because she, she gets a lot more screen time than she did in the first movie. But I love the Gwen stuff like the scenes with her and her dad visually some of the coolest shit i've ever seen in an animated movie like i was like in awe of like the the washed out backgrounds with that color palette and just like the the you know the emotional beats of that story and her arc i just loved it so i i didn't mind that other characters were kind of given more um uh you know, story beats that it didn't just revolve around miles. That didn't bother me. That didn't really bother me at all or either, but, um, it does add to the, the bloatedness of the movie. Not saying that the movie's like overly stuffed, but it is trying to do a lot in its longer runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fair. I just, I, I never felt the length. Like I was just, I was kind of, sad when it ended you know like i could have i could have kept going but to be fair without being specific like there's a lot more story to be told here so it's you know that'll be in the next one but (laughs) well to Haley's feelings about being bored i wasn't necessarily bored but there was moments towards the end where i was getting a little too much story and not enough action and i wanted just a little bit better balance 
than what I was given towards the end. But that could have also just been the fatigue of watching the movie. So sure. If I it watch it again, yeah. I might not have those same feelings. Um, and then, yeah, to your point about talking about the Gwen stuff, I really thought the opening sequence, like everything from like the first shot to the the titles, like the opening titles, I thought mm-hmm. was amazing. And like oh, it was yeah. really hard for the movie to live up to those like first 15 minutes or so. Not saying I didn't like the the rest of the movie, but that was probably my favorite part was the opening sequence. I've seen a lot of people say that. And I I, I don't disagree. Like the the especially the character design of of Vulture Mm-hmm. so sick like what did they say it came from like a van gogh universe or something right isn't that what they say maybe not van i think gogh. so yeah or like, but it was like paper mache kind of yeah. looking it was so sick like so visually distinctive like i love the character design there that whole that whole action sequence with gwen and the introduction of spider-man 2099 mm-hmm. was amazing um well so let's back up a little bit and what did you think of, without being specific, the general story beats? So, like, the the spider people, there's, like, a society, like, almost like an Avengers-type thing where they're, like, overseeing the safety of the multiverse, and it's, like, all different spider people. Like, what were, I guess for you, what were some of the highlights? Did you like the story beats I guess how they treated the multiverse is kind of the better way of putting it. Cause it's the, all, all movies now have fucking multiverses. So it's like, I yeah. can see the, the fatigue setting in, but I think this movie does it with the exception of everything, everywhere all at once, which is obviously a very different kind of thing. Um, comic book multiverses. I think this is the one that interested me more than any of the other ones I've seen thus far. Yeah. I think it handles it pretty well, but again, it's just a lot. And um, I think they handle it in a way that feels authentic and not too, like, cash-grabby or anything like that. Because, you know, they could include all these characters just for the sole purpose of making money off of them. But it does feel like they've opened up the story in a way that, you know, includes them in a way that makes sense on a storytelling level. Again, it is a lot, and... Sometimes it can be a little much, and I don't really know all the references. I mean, some of them looked a little familiar, but I'm not really a comic book guy, so and I don't I don't really care to like read into the Easter eggs and stuff. If I'm already interested in it, then I might. But like like knowing what you know, Spider Man number three thirty seven that doesn't do anything. For me. <laughs> knowing knowing his origins doesn't do anything for me. Right. And I mean, to be fair, a lot of them are just for like a gag, like like Peter yeah. Parked Car, you know, mm-hmm. which I that cracked me up. I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty good. <laughs> so a lot of it is just for, you know, a joke. Um, but some of it is, you know, well, OK, so I guess more specifically, what do you think of of Spider-Man 2099? So Oscar Isaac does the voice of um that Spider-Man, the character is Miguel O'Hara. So he's like kind of the head Spider-Man running this like strike team, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess since we're not doing spoilers yet, which I don't know yet if we will or not, but how do you think they handled um, 
that character <laughs> with without being more specific um well yeah i guess part of it would be a spoiler but um well right. and there's there's going to be more to come right right well it's hard to say how they really handled it but i think it was handled fine i mean it's it's hard to say cuz he I feel like I'm dancing around a spoiler, but he turns into like a, yeah, I don't want to say it cause it's a spoiler, well, but well, well, okay. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> we should, we'll do like, we will do like a little spoiler section. Cause I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have, especially in the context of, you know, half I mean, a movie is what people have been calling this and i know you i i know you didn't call it half a movie but you use the expression so it's like we can return to that uh when we can speak openly about it because it's i would say i like the inclusion of him and i i get his motivation but yeah it's still part spoiler to talk about his character in depth and then yeah, we also don't really know the conclusion of his arc or motive, so it's hard to say. Yeah, I think the the, the best way to put it spoiler-free is that I think the audience is meant to feel conflicted about his character and his motivations. I think ultimately you're supposed to be on one side of it, which we can talk about in spoilers, but he plays a very important part of where the direction of the story goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But also again, this is another thing we can return to when we're when we're uh, talking spoilers, but we talked about this off air, but I don't, I don't, it's not a spoiler at this point to say that the movie itself kind of ends on a, on a pretty big cliffhanger. Um, And again, we can get into it more specifically in a bit, but how do you feel about the fact that this is like, I guess the best comparison would probably be like Lord of the Rings, like two towers. You know what I mean? Like the main criticism of that movie is that it feels incomplete because it's the middle movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people that's their favorite Lord of the Rings movie, you know, for the record, well, I think those people are crazy, but you know, some people think it. So I guess like on the half a movie thing, where did you land on the spectrum? Generally speaking, before we talk spoiler stuff. Well, to your point about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that was kind of sold as a trilogy from the start, right? Sure. So, uh, so maybe expectations play a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still think this could have ended in a different spot, and I was a little disappointed. I mean, I'm probably just going to repeat what I've been saying, but to spend this long with a movie and not reach some sort of like conclusion was a little disappointing for me. Cause like the first one is what? Two hours, a little less than two hours, maybe. Yeah. I think it's just under two hours, I think. And that one felt like, I mean, obviously it's set up for a sequel, but that one had like a distinct beginning, middle and end. This one just felt like middle for two hours and 15 minutes which isn't necessarily a bad thing but if we're gonna like talk about it on its own then it it is a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) well so i'm waiting for the third one and i want to reevaluate all of them as like a you know one 
complete trilogy. Because I could already see myself going up a bit on the first one. I could even see myself going up a bit on this one. But it's really hard to say without getting the third one. Yeah. That's all fair. I would push back a little bit on... It not feeling like it, it, the whole thing feeling like a like a middle movie. I think because of how much information is revealed at the end, and the fact that it, it does end on a cliffhanger, and there's a lot more story to be told in the third one. From like a character perspective, it felt like a complete journey to me. Uh, complete is not the right word. It felt like a satisfying journey for me on a character level because we do have this preamble stuff where we're like setting up the different characters and their own universes and then the multiverse opens up and the different characters go on their own journeys but specifically Miles' arc I didn't feel at the end I didn't feel cheated I didn't feel like I just watched half a movie. I think there's a clear arc that happens with Miles's character. <clears throat> and very importantly, in the climax of the movie, there's like a a turn that takes place and Miles is put in a position where it's like, you know, he has to make a decision and it's a principled decision and he makes, I would argue, the right choice for the character of Spider-Man and it does go against, you know, some other characters in the movie. I think when you alluded to too much information being at the end and it kind of not ending in the right spot, I would maybe agree with you a little bit because they do like fully set up the next movie, you know, like mm-hmm. I think there's one specific part that it could have ended on and it would have been like, fuck, you know, but there's more after that. Um, I think that, you know, I'm dancing around it, but I, th- I think I know what you're getting at. Um, we, which we can clarify in, in a couple of minutes. Here, yeah, but. and I, I think that's the part that kind of turned me off as far as the ending goes because, you know, as I've been saying, was sitting there for a long time, waiting for this thing to wrap up, didn't have the the thought in my mind that we're going to end on a cliffhanger, there's going to be a part three. Like, obviously you can assume that there's going to be a sequel, but, you know, this is, this feels more like a part A of a of a story than it does just like a a normal sequel well not part a i guess it'd be part part b but you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes i know what you're trying to say um i'm not a I, fan of this this new tbc trend it's wait you think there's to, a trend of this yeah in movies it's only going to get worse <laughs> well, I mean, John Wick is the only one that I can think of. What? Well, what, Fast what X is guilty mean? of it. Oh, uh, the new Mission Impossible is going to be guilty of it. it we're trending oh, yeah. in the wrong direction. That's all I'm but, saying. <laughs> the end is here. Okay, <laughs> the end is here. Honestly, that's what I was feeling after this movie the most was just like bummed about cinema <laughs> as a whole. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, I you know I don't disagree with the cynicism, but <laughs> I did not leave the movie feeling bummed. If anything, I kind of had the opposite reaction to the cliffhanger because, like, usually I hate when movies do that. Like, the closest thing that I can think of would be, I mean, it sucks that it's another Marvel property, but the closest thing I can think of would be the wait between 
uh, I can't even remember the fucking what are the Avengers movies? Endgame is one of them. What's the one before Endgame? I think it starts with the U. U. But I'm drawing the U. <laughs> <laughs> no, Infinity War. <laughs> Infinity War. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the closest thing I can Different think vowel. of is, is, the, <laughs> is the end of Infinity War where, you know, like that was a cliffhanger, yeah. but you, you were excited to see the next one. But if anything, I think that was a good movie, cliffhanger, though, even though we already had knowledge that there was going to be a next one. So it did feel a little inconsequential in the moment. So I think the main difference for me, and this the, this would be brief spoilers for those movies, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. I in the theater, yeah, it was huge. Uh, it was that was an awesome cliffhanger, like you know, jaw on the floor kind of moment. But as soon as it was over, I was like, I mean, these characters are coming back. They're mm-hmm. they're not gonna kill them. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think I would give this filmmaking team. Like, I wouldn't put it past them for there to be actual stakes here in this story. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of the reason why I'm more excited and I ultimately admire this movie more than I would Infinity War because I wouldn't put it past them. Like, I don't know who they would or would not kill. There are clearly some characters who are at risk. Like, that's part of the whole climax of the movie. So it's like, I don't know. Well, yeah, when you frame it that way, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) but there's not money in some of these characters like there is money in some of those other characters we're talking about again cynically the cynic reading is like oh you can't kill them because they gotta you know the contracts and the money and all that stuff but i'm excited you know i I really am excited to see what they do with this last one and i'm glad we don't have to wait too long i think they announced that march march 24th or something Mm -hmm. so only nine months so I'm pretty stoked to see the conclusion, but um, we should we'll, we should do like a brief spoiler discussion. Was there anything else, general thoughts that you wanted to touch on? Well, I don't know if this is better for before or after spoilers, but um, I will say I'm you know I'm Team Miles or Team Spider Verse or whatever, but part of me has to play the other side a little bit. The praise for these movies is a bit out of control. Why? Because it's the number one, number one movie on Letterboxd kind of thing. Like, that just, is just too much. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, think you it's can insane. you can say that these are some of the best, if not best, animated movies ever made. I'm I can agree with that, but. I don't know. Just the outpour of like praise for the first one and this one just seems a little too much. And we do live in this uh, like hyperbole culture these days where everything's the best or the worst or, you know, whatever. And so I do feel like there's some of that going on. But yeah, the number one movie of all time on Letterboxd, like, get real. I get the parameters are in place and, uh, you know, we're just following the rules of the algorithm of how that's calculated, but it just doesn't seem right. 
<laughs> well, okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think my counter to that would be there. There is a mass appeal to this movie specifically, but more broadly, comic book movies. That it's just inherently going to get more eyes on it than mm-hmm. even than like in everything, everywhere, all at once. Like you know, there's just going to be more people watching it. And I just think it's a testament to how strong this movie is that the outpouring has been what it has been. I mean, just to put it into context, the world that we live in, everything is so polarized. People get up in arms about the smallest things. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that there hasn't been some sort of like review bombing backlash against this movie because of the trans coding of the Gwen Stacy character. Like I'm surprised there hasn't been just a bunch of people fucking, you know, a bunch of assholes trying to just like ruin the rate, you know, because that's just the, the climate that we're in right now as far as like fandom. You know what I mean? Like, I think it speaks to how fucking good this movie is that it rises above all of that. Even on IMDb, that website is a fucking dumpster fire nowadays, but it's got like a 9.0 average with like over 100,000 ratings, you know, separate from yeah. the... You're, uh, you're right, though, Matt. We shouldn't be blaming the movie. We should be blaming the people because the, the people fucking Fuck the people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and to your point about review bombing, there are ratings slash reviews on Letterboxd where the five-star ratings... Some of them haven't even seen the movie and they're giving it five stars. And then you have people giving it a half star saying, you know, it wasn't that bad, but I need to bring the average down. So star ratings are fucked. People are fucked. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is great, but not the best of all time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there saying this is the best movie ever made, but but I think that's, that's more fine. G- I think, yeah, sure. You know, if you, if you want to die on the hill, that's fine. I'm not going to die on it, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it is a fucking incredible movie. And I just think it, it does so many things so well. There's such a broad appeal. It, it respects the source material while also not afraid of taking its own risks. Like it's just, it's fucking cool. It's a, it's a really, really, really cool movie that is hard to dislike. I honestly think the people who are like on the the really negative side are they either just fucking hate fun or they're actively trying to be a contrarian at a certain yeah. point. You know what I mean? Like I know it's all it's all subjective, whatever. But like, come on! Like it's so. I, I, yeah, at the very even if least, you, you have to. Even if you hate, books. right? Yeah, even if you hate comic books or superheroes, Marvel, whatever, you can't deny that like. The craft is there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> even if it's not your style of animation that you like, like, there's just still so much that goes into these movies to admire. That I don't know. And yeah, it's beautiful to look at. I don't see why you wouldn't be a fan of this, at least on a visual level. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe just too much like kinetic action. Just, just too yeah. much to absorb. I don't. I don't know. Go home, Grandma. We don't have time yeah, for your thoughts. <laughs> at least you can see what's happening at all times. Like you watch some of these like fucking Transformers movies, and it's just like a. All right, we don't have mush, to. We don't have to drag oh, I'm the Autobots down, I'm through them. I'm taking down the Autobots, dog. <laughs> Decepticon all the way. Um, 
Okay. Do we want to give starrings? Uh, sure. It's fucking five stars for me. Heavy five, too. Oh. I loved it. Wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a four for now, but like I said, pre-watching my rewatch at a 4.5 and the third installment could recontextualize everything. So so if the last one, just to be clear, if the last one sticks the landing, all three of these are going to be five stars, right? They got to be. Mm, Greatest trilogy of all time. If it could sticks be, the landing. Uh, could be a five, 4.5, five scenario. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I'm not maybe as the, easy maybe as the third I used one. to be. Maybe the third one will be so huge that it'll recontextualize the second one. Like on another level, you're going to look back at this one and be like, holy fuck, what they did in that one was crazy. It's true. It's going to happen. And I will agree with your your points about the stakes in these movies. I do feel like they are greater than the stake. Well... I guess, I guess just like the... Uh, the stakes themselves are the same relatively, but the the risk that you think they're willing to take, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the the stakes don't feel false. They did feel a little false in the MCU timeline. I don't think we're going to get blue balled by the third one like we did with the Marvel movies. Because right. nobody really died except black widow but she got her whole she got her own fucking movie even still you know and she wanted to do it right <laughs> yeah it was her she choice chose to to she die. chose to die <laughs> <laughs> well, that's on guess, you <laughs> yeah. well then i guess gamora gamora would be the other one right but she also came back it's just i haven't seen guardians 3 still so i don't i don't know exactly what james gunn did with her but mm-hmm I've heard that he has kind of felt like he's been maybe, maybe he didn't say this explicitly, but people have said that he felt pigeonholed by the greater Marvin Hole story. Marvin Hole? What in the Marvel storytelling? He felt a little pigeonholed by that, but. Who doesn't? I know, dude. We got we, we to gotta stop letting our, our, our auteurs get sucked into the Marvel machine. Chloe Zhao, she's a goner, dude. We're never going to, she's not going to make anything worthwhile again in her life. Don't say that. Uh, Do we even know what her next project is? She did a fucking... She did the Diablo 4 commercials. Huge. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) (laughs) She's fully commercial. She's getting paid. Hell yeah. Yeah. And she probably wasn't getting paid the first 10 years of her career. And she made a killer cowboy movie. One of the best cowboy movies of the last couple decades. But you know that movie didn't make any money. Oh, <laughs> or her, her and No one saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but it did make her money now. Put her on yeah. the radar. That's anyway. True. Cool. Those are our star ratings. Uh, for those who do not want to be spoiled, and I highly recommend that you do not be spoiled. If you haven't seen the movie yet, check the show notes. Come back later after you've seen it. Um, okay. Spoilers. Where do we start? Do we start at the end? Sure. So that's typically what we do. Okay, so the whole half a movie thing. Let's let's revisit that conversation real quick. So uh, the movie ends with the reveal that Miles is sent to the wrong universe because he got bit 
by a radioactive spider that came from a different universe. And there's that opens up the whole thing about how he was never meant to be Spider-Man. You get into the whole Spider-Man lore thing. That's a different conversation. He gets sent to the wrong universe. And in this universe, his dad was killed, not his uncle. And he is the Prowler. So the whole, you know, he comes face to face with himself. I think you would probably agree with me that the movie should have ended with that, with that reveal of like, oh, I'm the, you know, he's the Prowler. Instead of what they choose to do, which is where Gwen assembles like you know the spider team like the og spider team with some newbies including spider punk who we haven't even talked about but spider punk fucking rules um but anyway there's just like there's a little bit more like kind of cleanup and like staging the chessboard that occurs and that that's how i felt based on what you were saying is, is that what you meant to where it didn't necessarily end exactly where you thought it would is did you also think it would maybe end with like him taking off the prowler mask and you know is that also where you thought it was yeah ideally I think, yeah i think it should have ended a little sooner and not been i mean it still would have been a cliffhanger but it wouldn't have i don't know correct me if i'm wrong maybe i blocked out during the ending but <laughs> i feel like the ending was like just like freeze frame cliffhanger almost no i think so this the prowler stuff there's there's at least a few minutes after it's revealed that he's the prowler because we there's the scene where Gwen is like she goes to Peter Parker like the one voiced by Jake Johnson the one who has the baby and stuff mm-hmm. and I think uh, I mean I just saw I should know this I think the movie ends with like all of them like Spider Gwen. Spider Woman, but you know, call her Spider Gwen. Uh, that version of Peter Parker, um, Peter Porker, Spider Man Noir, like a lot of the characters from the first one. With the maybe it's one. a shot that pans up to like the skyline and then it cuts. But I just remember it ending basically on like a skyline, and it just is like to be continued. And I wanted more or less in that, <laughs> <laughs> <in> that moment. <laughs> Well, so pacing-wise, I do think the movie suffers a little bit because a lot of that stuff, is it, that's kind of all crammed into the last, what, probably 20-ish minutes? Like, it's not an insignificant amount of time. Like, it it goes on for a bit. Like, basically, there's this incredible standout climax sequence that happens in the main spider world hub where there's like a chase sequence where where miles is escaping and they're on that like uh highway that goes up into the sky and there's that whole confrontation with spider-man 2099 like that was probably the highlight of the movie for me but then he like goes back to like the central hub and he goes in the machine and his invisibility thing. And then he gets into the other universe. Like there's a lot that happens in the last 20 to 25 minutes. Um, so pacing wise, it's a lot like I get it, but it didn't mean that it felt incomplete to me. Like half a story, I guess it, it didn't feel that way to me, even with all the information that's being thrown at us in the last like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Honestly, I think I will, 
enjoy it more or you know dislike it less on from that angle on a rewatch i just think first time watch it was just a little too much thrown at me and then just didn't really come to a distinct conclusion that i wanted yeah okay so follow-up question when did you know not when the movie reveals it to you, or maybe that's when you knew, but when when did you know that the Prowler was Miles at the end there? Like, when did you connect the dots? Did it happen? Like, were you actually surprised by the reveal, or had you connected the dots prior to that? Um, I was surprised. Was there an obvious moment? Well, no, I wouldn't say obvious. Um... I knew something. I I knew what like, something's okay, so, up. <laughs> well, it was when he revealed. It was when Miles revealed himself to his mother, and she was like Spider Man, mm. you know. And there was like that whole scene, the way that played. And she, I didn't. It it didn't mean much to me at the time, but she made a comment about his hair. She was like, "What'd you do to your hair?" That didn't mean much to me at at the time like I, I didn't think mm. much about it but then as soon as she was like spider-man who's that i was like oh shit that's when i connected the dots of like oh right they made a point to like you know show that the spider that bit him well that was like a whole plot point that he was from another universe he shouldn't be spider-man so when i knew that that they had outlined that that machine sends the person to it reads their dna or whatever and sends them to the wrong universe that was when I was like, oh, shit. So then when he like met his uncle, that that was when I was like, oh, shit, he's going to be the Prowler, isn't he? Like, his, And then, of course, he was. But the reason I mentioned that was because right before he took off the mask, Haley like elbowed me, and she was like, oh, he's gonna, he's it's him. He's going to be the Prowler. And I was like, yeah, no, I know, babe, I know. Watch the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> she figured it out like right before him. Um, but that's when I figured it out. So that's why I was curious because, I mean, the pieces are there, but yeah, as a cliffhanger, pretty sweet, right? I mean, that's cool. I thought it was cool. I mean, did that have much of an impact on you? Like that story, you know, reveal, mm, I guess? I was already like, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, it's cool in context or whatever, but as I was watching it, I'm thinking this movie's going to be wrapping up, but then we're like opening up all these new doors for new shit. And I'm just like, what are we doing? <laughs> and then the movie ends. Right. Because you know, you think you're supposed to be reaching the end of the movie, but yeah, at a certain point you're like, this movie is not going to, it's not going to fucking end. Is it, you know, like, <laughs> cause there's just too, there's so much thrown at you at the end. I did reach a certain point. Like, it had been kind of spoiled for me that the movie ends on a cliffhanger. So I, I knew that much. So when all of this information was being thrown at me, I was like, okay, like <laughs> to someone who knew nothing, I was just putting myself in their shoes being like, okay, how the fuck are we going to end this movie? <laughs> like, Cause there's just so much that happens at the end. So I- yeah, I think if I had that information going in, I maybe would have viewed it a bit differently, but yeah, just conflicting feelings towards the end because of that. Yeah. Um, okay. So the other spoiler thing I wanted to address other than the ending was the character of Miguel O'Hara. 
who is Spider-Man 2099. He's like the ringleader of this group of spider people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm an emotional guy. I, you know, I get, I watch things and I get a little, a little teary. Um, I definitely got a little misty when, uh, Miles like made the quote unquote, right. The right choice. Like it's the classic, I think this is the best example of villain who makes a lot of sense, but is still the villain. You know what I mean? Like the other Marvel movies, specifically with Thanos, like you watch those movies and Thanos does these like monologues about, you know, people, you know, human beings or whatever. They're all rot. And, you know, we've got to eliminate half of them. Like you, you agree with Thanos up to a point to where he gets into like the eugenics and like let's eliminate half of all human beings you know like obviously you can't agree with that i think this version of a villain is like the most sympathetic and like conceptually interesting villain that we've gotten in a long time in these comic book movies because you don't necessarily disagree with him right like the greater good you know, like you got to do this because literally billions of lives are at stake. Like, are you really willing to value the life of one person in this case, Miles's dad over a universe or whatever, you know, like conceptually he's right. But for the character of Spider-Man, you know that he has to try to do the right thing for everybody, right? Like, even mm-hmm. if he tries and fails, that is Spider-Man. And I think that is part of what, like, led me to my, like, coming out, my awakening, so to speak, <laughs> that Spider-Man is my uh, my favorite You're superhero. Because <laughs> I just, like, I resonate with that so much because it's, like, that's what these types of movies should be about, this, this fantasy of, like, even when the odds are insurmountable and you have everybody who you hold near and dear telling you that you need to do this because his friends, everybody, Spider-Gwen, Peter Parker, everyone is telling him that, like, just you have to let it happen. He refuses to do so because at his core, he still wants to try to do what he feels is the right thing, you know? You're absolutely That's right. That's why I loved it so much. Fuck I mean, the, uh, the millionaire, billionaire playboy. You got to go with the guy who's trying to do the right thing, even if he fails. Yeah, dude. Come on. The New York street kid, the super smart street kid who's even asked Spider-Man, just fucking stealing from the bodega and being like, hey, how much are you, buddy? What's on the house, Spider-Man? You know? Huge. He's the best. Huge. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we you were talking villains, and we didn't talk about one villain at all. Spot. Oh, yes. Okay. Spot, um, okay, the action sequence with Spot and Miles like f- flying through the city and them going through all those portals and shit, I thought that was sick. It's pretty fun. But it was like, there was, a light, <laughs> there was a lightness to it, right? Like, Yeah. Because he's like, eh, this guy's kind of a goofball, but this is, you know, this is fun, you know? <laughs> like, there's a levity to that sequence that I found pretty cool. But mm-hmm. by the end of it, like, I don't know about you, but the way that they should, like, the design of the spot, like, by the end of it, once he's gone, like, full Super Saiyan, 
pretty intimidating and cool mm-hmm. too. Like visually, like the way that they choose to like, just like, cause you, it almost looks like he's drawn with like colored pencil or something, you know, like he's got a very distinct visual that like also warps the background around him. Like I was very into the spot and the fact that we now have two, I would argue two of the more interesting villains, Marvel villains specifically going into the next movie. Well, Mm -hmm. I guess the verdict's not out on Spider-Man 2099. I would classify him as a villain, but I guess we'll have to see what they choose to do with his arc. Yeah. I hope they don't do what I expect them to do which is where he is put in a position where he has to make a choice and he, you know, it's the classic Anakin Obi-Wan, you know, <laughs> like he has a choice to do the right thing and he doesn't like, mm-hmm. you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with that. Right. Cause it's like, if he does the good thing, it's like kind of corny, but if he does the wrong thing, it's like, Oh, of course you're Anakin Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I hope that they blow my mind and they do something I'm not expecting. But even if they don't, I'm excited to see what they choose to do with that character. And the spot is going to be huge. The the animation, dude, is going to... whatever seek. I know whatever sequence they have in store for like whatever climax we get with, with the spot is going to be... Oh, yeah. Next I mean, level. if I was cutting glass with this thing, <laughs> watching across the Spider-Verse, I'm going to open up a rift in our multiverse with this fucking thing too. When I when that load unleashes, it's gonna can't wait. It's gonna be huge. Yeah. I mean they they kinda gave us a tease of it in this one. So mm-hmm. they got they gotta one up themselves in the next one, right? I think they will. I'm confident that they will. Yeah, Spot takes a little bit of a backseat in this one, but I do like his yeah. like origins and how he comes to be. At first he he kind of feels like a throwaway villain, but then yes, yeah, he's you know he's a lot harder to defeat than than meets the eye, and then yeah, he reaches his next form, and we're trending in the right direction with Spot. Yeah, well, and I think with the Spot, it also it it the way that they handle that on a character level was really good too, because you have. Gwen, who like is kind of breaking the rules by hanging out with Miles, and she's kind of very skittish about like what her job is and you know, like why she's there visiting his universe and all this stuff. And the way that it leads into like what feels like a betrayal to Miles, like that whole sequence of like him tracking her, her, him finding out that she was there to like tail the spot. The whole sequence in uh, Moombatten, we haven't even talked about that. Like that was mm. another standout sequence with the the Indian Spider Man. Was so cool and how like the canon moments. Like there's just, uh, I feel like we should wrap this up. But there's just uh, it's a it's such a good fucking movie, dude. Like overloaded. But anyway, I'm going off the rails. To circle back, like the point that I was getting to with the spot is that you, you do think that he's kind of a throwaway villain, but like he's critical to a lot of these story progressions that happen with, with, uh, with Gwen, with miles and just kind of like the general concept of like Spider-Man lore, what they do with that. Pretty cool. 
it's a good reveal for a character that you thought was just going to be like a funny gag because he's like, you know, robbing a fucking ATM from a bodega when he meets him, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So what they ultimately end up doing with that character was pretty neat. Very neat. So neat. Um, what about you? Was there anything um, spoiler specific that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up the review? Mm, no, not really. I think we covered the, the two main things. Yeah. Those were the two things that we kind of danced around when we were doing our main review. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, ready to move on? Yes. Let's do it. Uh, let's move on to what we've been watching. Um, I have more than I usually do, but not a ton. Um, how much do you have that you... Uh, I'm planning on talking about. Are you consulting the, uh, the, diary, uh, the diary? I'll talk about a couple things, but probably nothing too much to of note. Um. Well, can I ask you? Did you have you caught up with Missing yet? No, I saw you watched it, and I saw your star rating. Yeah, huge. huge. I. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I was a huge. Um, you saw Searching, right? Didn't uh-huh. didn't we do that on the show? I believe so. I can't. Did you not like that movie? I don't no, remember. No, I did like Searching. I'm not the biggest fan of the the Screen Life movies or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Just because, um, like visually or artistically, they just don't do a lot for me. I don't really care what goes into making those. It's just watching them is not that appealing to me but i did really like searching for one of those movies the only issue i really had was with the ending and i think mm-hmm. i said it on the show but it wants to have its cake and eat it too mm-hmm. so and you know while it's a satisfying ending it just feels like it tries to get you know both sides of that and that's the part i didn't really like okay so I would say I, you sh- I think you should watch Missing. Um, I ultimately gave it the same score as Searching, which is four stars. But I think if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably pick Missing. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say that it's going to be in the mix for a literal roller coaster award uh, at the end of the year because the story... From just like a sheer like what the fuck plot perspective, it's one of the better movies I've seen recently. Like it's one of those movies that is just good to just like turn on and just like you're glued to the screen. And even though there's a lot of stuff that's like kind of silly and you can poke holes in the logic and you know. You this this is like the, re- the reverse of Taken, right? Instead of the daughter being taken, it's her parents. The mother. Yeah, the mother <laughs> <Yeah>. being taken. <laughs> and then you have the screen life element. Yeah. Um, but it's what they end up doing with the story. It, it zigs where you think it's going to zag and it's genuinely pretty, uh, what's the word enthralling? Like it's, it's a movie that you're like, damn, like you're invested in the plot of it. It is. Silly. I remember, uh, searching, doing that to a degree. Yeah. Like some of the stuff with the uncle, it's like, what is going on? Here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're very similar movies. I mean, at this point it's kind of a formula. So if they do another one, I don't know how, you know, I will watch it, but 
with the third one, we could reach a point where it's like, okay, I get it, you know? But at least with this second one, like, they do a good job of, like, you know, leading you down a path and then convincing you, oh, actually it's this, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns. It's generally pretty well acted. um, But just like searching, there's some things where you're like, "Eh." it kind of stretches the believability factor uh, Mm -hmm. in several instances. But pure entertainment, it's, it's very good. I liked it a lot. So if, if you were a fan of searching, even if you had your issues with it, I'd highly recommend checking out missing. Um, so that's why I was curious if you had if you had caught up with it yet or not because I knew you had seen um, you had seen Searching so um, recommend it it's on Netflix so I mean it's easily accessible yeah I'm interested in watching it but it just it seems like one of those movies that's probably going to peak around the 335 range um well what did you give Searching was it 3.5 3.5 okay yeah. um i would say 3.5 for for you like i said okay. i liked it a little bit more than searching but ultimately i gave them the same score so i feel like you would probably agree just because it, it's fucking nuts like just from like a sheer like what the fuck factor it's it's better than searching but um anyway i would be curious okay to well hear your thoughts so you have me slightly more intrigued than I was. So. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a good one to watch with Chelsea. I don't know if she's interested, but it's not like scary. You know, it's like a thriller. Like there's some tense stuff, but it's not scary. So, I mean, she could she could easily stomach it. Yeah, I'm, I think she could. Um, a new release for me that I just watched, uh, Reality on HBO, or should I say Max now? You should, yep. That's what it is. <laughs> Although I don't, I still say HBO. <laughs> Fucking Max. Yeah, uh, this one's on the list. Haley wants to watch this one, and and you know it's got it's got my girl the, Sydney Sweeney in it. So the new Sydney Sweeney joint. Yep. Uh, I gave it three stars. I think it is worth a watch. And I'm not trying to undersell the movie, but um, by my star rating. Uh, but it's just kind of one note. And maybe that's my biggest gripe with it. It um, the main reason to watch it is obviously for Sydney Sweeney's performance. I think that's enough to watch it um, on its own. But um, beyond that, the the story itself that it covers, um, the dialogue for the movie. I don't know if you know this about the movie, but it's like pretty much the exact transcript from the recording that was taking place in her house. They used that to basically create the dialogue for the movie. Yes. I did hear that, that it's like heavily rooted in, in real life. Yeah. And there's a couple stylistic choices that add to that. And I mean, it's not really a spoiler to go into them, but I'll let you see them for yourself. Did you have a thought on that? No. Did I like breathe okay. in? To yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, I just realized that I had ran out of breath and I needed more. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I didn't really know this story. So for me, it was um, revealing. And it, yeah, like I said, for her performance, it's it's worth a watch. And it's just like a solid little drama slash thriller. It's, 
very like contained. Most of the movie is shot like in or around the house that it takes place in or around or whatever. So yeah, definitely worth a watch, but um, also not really anything like groundbreaking. Okay, I will end up watching it because I am curious, and and Haley wants to watch it too. So that'll be one that we watch together. We have like a new, like unofficial rule where we like take turns picking movies, but without like thinking about the other person too much. Cause like, I, so not to speak for Haley, but Haley has a tendency. She says to like second guess the movies that she picks. Cause she's worried if I'm going to like them or not. So she's just mm-hmm. like kind of like indecisive because she spends so much time trying to think like, well, I want to watch this, but I know Matt won't like it. And you know, so we've kind uh, it's of like a dilemma. It's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> between and she, couples. <laughs> and she says the same thing about me, even though I already cater my picks to what I think she'll like. And she thinks she won't, but she mm-hmm. does. She always, almost always does. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I know her taste. I'm, I'm good at it. Um, but we watched um, Piggy. You saw Piggy, right? I did see last Piggy. year. Mm-hmm. So she's been wanting to watch it for since it came out, and every time she brings it up as like an option, I'm like, "Yeah, I'll watch Piggy." And she's like, ah, "You don't want to watch Piggy?" And I'm like, "If you pick Piggy, I'll watch it." You know, I've, I've been like, <laughs> kind of like, "Yeah, you know, I'll watch it." So the, she finally decided like we're gonna watch Piggy, and I was like, "Yeah, let's watch Piggy." And then I told her at the end, like before we started it, I was like, remind me at the end of this movie to tell you why I have seemed like I haven't wanted to watch this movie. And she was like, okay, I will. So Piggy. Oh, you're you're bringing some baggage into Piggy, Matt? Dude. So (laughs) if you look at the average rating of Piggy, I don't, I don't like to do this with movies, but Okay, so the average rating on Letterbox of Piggy is three point one. Mm-hmm. What a, you know that means nothing to me out of context, right? Three point one. It could go either way. It could be a, a hidden gem, could be a turd. You don't know mm-hmm. just based on that, right? But if you look at the people that I follow on Letterboxd that have seen it, mm-hmm. I, I just pulled it up. Um, Brie Animator, three. Travis Paul, three. Josh Lewis, three. Aaron Newworth, three. Tyler Foster, three. David Chen, three and a half. Jordan Searles, three. Like, literally across the board, it's a three. So I told Haley uh, what I was alluding to was, ah, I mean, I'm not excited to watch it because I feel like the ceiling on this thing is like kind of a three. Um, I gave this movie a three, you know, (laughs) it's like, just like I thought it would be. It's like not a bad movie and it's not a movie I regret seeing. It's just not a movie I was excited to watch. Does that make sense? Like 100% all of the evidence was pointing toward like, but I feel like it's, it's like premise and trailer or maybe not trailer. Like even it's just, it's poster. I feel like would garner more excitement than everyone's three-star rating on Letterboxd, right? Usually, yes. I mean, this is a movie that just just based on the plot synopsis and the poster seems like something that would be right up my alley, right? Mm-hmm. But I do... It seemed like it had potential to be like a raw, you know? 
Yeah. But if you if I did the same exercise with Raw, if I pulled that if I pulled that movie up right now, it would be full of four four point five and five star ratings. Right. So I I would say the people that I follow on Letterboxd, it skews toward horror fans. So mm-hmm. that's why with that particular movie I was like, okay, well a lot of people that I follow who have watched it, you know. It's not that I didn't want to watch it. I was just, I missed it for cram jam. So I was like, couldn't get excited about watching it, but I saw it and it's not a bad movie, but it's like, it doesn't go far enough in some of the areas that I wished it had. It ultimately is a little boring. I feel like it kind of just runs out of steam. It does by the end of it. I, I felt like, okay, it's, I was invested the whole way through. I was never bored, but I was also never like in awe of it, you know? Right. And I was never surprised either. It was like kind of conventional ultimately. And it didn't look bad, like visually, you know, serviceable, but it also wasn't like on that merit. Nothing stood out either. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like, it's a very serviceable horror. I I went into it thinking it was going to be like a revenge slasher type thing and it really wasn't that like if you look Mm -hmm. at the poster you would think and read the plot description you would think that's what it is but it's not yeah or you get some fucking crazy finale but you really don't yeah or you think (laughs) that the she is gonna like i mean i don't want to be too specific because i don't want to spoil it but like i assume that there was it was going to culminate in like a you know like an underrated masterpiece like Starry Eyes, you know, like a just like a c- complete bloodbath, like insane climax of a movie. But she doesn't do that. Ruin, ruin. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, how about like the loved ones? Remember how crazy that goes at the end? Dude, that movie goes so hard at the end. That movie rules. Now, that is a revenge horror slasher, whatever you want to call it. That movie fucks. This movie. Not so much. It's good. It's yeah. just not a movie that I would necessarily like recommend to people. If someone was like, oh, what did you think of Piggy? I would be like, meh. And if they were like, should I watch it? I would be like, meh. Yeah. 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 You're not going to regret watching it, but it's just That's one kinda of the how I, how classic I felt one of those watching movies. it. Yeah. Yeah. It was I one saw of those your ones rating, that you know? uh, I was excited for during the Cram Jam. And it was, you know, I was like, oh, this, this could be the one, you know, the the cool pick and then it just wasn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so since i had missed that i had that same thought process didn't catch up with it so then it's like that motivation's gone so then i'm like okay well now i really am not motivated to watch this thing i mean that could have been the same like um movie that made my top 10 on the count of three like that's a similar thing where like the average rating is like probably very similar the people that i follow who had seen it probably right around there you know like that could have been but that's one that went the other way and you know i was one spoke to you it did did not it's not like i was (laughs) writing piggy off i just went into it uh, you know like i would i was willing to let piggy impress me and it just didn't Mm -hmm. not that i went into it with like preconceived notions or anything i just like i was ready to let piggy wow me but not expecting it to and it didn't well, even if you look at the the rating curve on Letterboxd, the ratings for this movie are very well in the middle, you know, ranging from two to four. But 
the ratings under two or above four it's very low. low yeah very low that's you know that's that's this movie it's like there's a lot of potential in it i think that's what it boils down to like i would probably i'll see whatever movie this filmmaker does next like i just pulled them up and damn i don't didn't know refer to master jabroni so <laughs> she's given up on she's him she's got yet. that <laughs> she's got that going for her <laughs> thought for sure Oof. they would be getting the jabroni and it's not her first feature though she's got a movie here called uh the devil's tale and this poster is rough Eek. yeah and that average the, this rate this curve well to be fair only 229 people have logged it but not a favorable curve <laughs> if uh no if, if the listeners if you want to check out the curve for the devil's tale and letterboxd uh not a favorable curve but Anyway, you know, right. well, the the jury's not out yet on on Carlota Pereira. Yeah, well, she's got that going against her too, because it's. Did I see that she goes by? Is she a one name person? Is no, this I don't Car- think so. Carlotta. Why did it seem like? Oh, I don't know. Oh no, no, no! no. It's uh, I was looking at the subtitle of Piggy oh, they- in Spanish. It's Cerdita. I thought that was the director. I was like, oh, gosh, she's going by Sardita already? Like, who she thinks she is? Fucking Almodovar? Mick G? No, was- <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's Piggy. What else you got? A uh, couple newer releases, I guess. Um, or this is a new release, The Little Mermaid. Check this one out in the theater. I actually saw this uh, in <laughs> Texas as well with the, the whole fan. Yeah, the, the Haley's and the Emma's and the, the whole, the little girl squad. Yes, actually, yeah, now that you mention it, the, the boys did not attend for obvious reasons. Was it just you <laughs> and the girls? Well, no, I meant the, the teenage boys. Oh, oh, yes, okay. Yeah, well. Everyone else went, though. <laughs> tell me about it. Um, it was okay. Uh, you know, I'm not like the biggest Disney princess guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not too late. You know, you could come out (laughs) as a Disney princess guy. That could be your narrative. (laughs) Um, I don't even, I I wouldn't say I'm a Rob Marshall guy, but I do love Chicago. Uh, the Little Mermaid, the original animated movie, I can't even recall the last time I watched it. So really hard to compare the two. So I'll just talk about this one. First of all, it's too long. Two hours and 15 minutes, way too long. You can feel the length. Definitely feels like they added a little fluff to it. Um, so that part was not a fan. The extra songs I could do with or without they didn't really add much to it uh, other than just making the movie longer <laughs> um i did like hallie bailey ariel who plays ariel quite a bit mm-hmm. i thought she was great in the lead role uh my boy w- uh, was not so great javier bardem i don't know what's going on with this guy I know he's in the Dune franchise now, but I don't know. His track record since 
my favorite movie of all time is just not where I want it to be. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> y- he's it's been this way for quite a few years now, but he's no longer an actor that you will like see his movie just because he's in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like after No Country for Old Men. And like the stuff that he had did, done previously, like uh, the the night before, and like that movie where he plays the the sea inside guy at yeah, the sea inside Elmar Adentro, um, you know he was on fire. And then post that, I mean, what Skyfall villain? Like, yeah, I mean he's got some good bits, but um, beautiful, which I'm yeah. I'm dying to revisit that one. It's like sad porn, the movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which should be right up my alley. I loved it the first time I saw it, but yeah, then you have a Lyle Lyle crocodile and you have a um wasn't he in the counselor? Was he in that? He, he was, yeah. He that plays kind of like good. uh yeah, I've tried to watch that movie twice thinking I could come around on it and still no. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, his career just I don't know. It's it's hard to hold him up to the pedestal of No Country for Old Men because, I mean, that movie to me is like top notch and then his performance in that movie is also top mm-hmm. notch. So yep. really hard to compete there. But um, yeah, I don't know. If you asked me, you know, 15 years ago where he would be, I wouldn't think it would be Lyle the Crocodile and the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that that part sucks, and he he just feels like he's phoning it in. I don't I don't know what what his deal is, and not saying I'm asking for like an Oscar worthy performance, but like, what are you doing, dude? Just just don't worry so much about the paycheck, and maybe worry about getting your your, your cred back. Yeah. <laughs> so that maybe part chase sucks. the clout a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of clout chasing never hurt anybody. Uh, I think at times the movie looks pretty bad just because it's really dark and there's a lot of CG, and so that's hard to navigate. Um, I didn't love the, like, recreation of some of the characters, like um, like Flounder and Sebastian. The Just their models, I don't know if made a, a ton of sense. I mean, I guess they do if you're trying to make them live action but i don't know it just feels weird when you're trying to do this like ultra fantasy story and then turn it into live action and then try and make it real something gets lost there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah overall was not the biggest fan i think the the biggest standout is Halle bailey and then i did like melissa mccarthy as ursula i think her 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 being casted as Ursula was a good choice. And then just the design itself, I think was done pretty well. Um, so those are probably the two standouts, but the rest you could kind of take or leave. Mm. Nice. Well, I'm not, glad you saw it. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't plan on seeing it. So. Yeah. Not that you were <laughs> rushing out to see it. Even when it hits Disney plus, I'm it's sure you're still, still not rushing. I can't, I can't believe I haven't canceled Disney plus at this point. Like I haven't <laughs> fucking booted that thing up in like a year. It feels like, oh, but man, just okay. wait till the next time you're sick on your deathbed. And then you'll be watching all the classics. Coco Disney plus. inside out. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh no, I was thinking like, 
the Mighty Ducks, D2, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, I the don't real know classics. if I've, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen those movies. If I'm being oh, honest, man. if I did as a kid, I don't remember it. D two was a staple in my house because we had the the clamshell VHS. So oh, was huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. What do you think? Is that worth? Is that a movie that if I have no nostalgia for that I should even bother mm, watching? I don't know. Either about of that. them. Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> well. We'll they're good, and I like. I mean, they're sports movies and they're Disney movies, so you know, take that how you will. But um, mm. I-, I like them for what they are. We'll see. Maybe. But I'll yeah, definitely nostalgia is definitely playing a factor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, um, what else you got? Well, I'll just do two last things, uh, real quick. I rewatched uh, Anchorman, original Anchorman. Mm. Um, you know, that was a staple growing up and uh, I don't know how don't, many more times I'm going to watch it. it. It's not that, it's not that good. Like I did at one point, I mean, this was probably like high school days. I claim this to be my favorite comedy. Really? Mm-hmm. See, it was up there for me. I used to love Anchorman back in the day. Now the laugh factor, it's minimal <laughs> more of a most, cringe factor <laughs> yeah most of the jokes don't really do it for me anymore so it was a uh, kind of rough and it's well it's, just it's one rooted of in that like early 2000s humor which has not aged well so yes so it hasn't aged super well um my favorite jokes are still just like the dumbest like one-off ones um, like my favorite, my favorite bit in the whole movie, it's so stupid, but it's when, um, uh, when the anchor man crew, they meet, uh, Vince Vaughn's crew in the park for the first time. And they have mm-hmm. that like standoff and brick, um, Steve Carell's character is like, where'd you get those pants at the toilet store? <laughs> 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 that line <laughs> still kills. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but so funny in the right way. Like his character in particular has not aged well. Like he's just not very funny. Like, I, cause he's just so random. Like the, the yeah. loud noises thing and the, the, I don't know what we're yelling about. Like, it's just stupid. Right. I love lamp. I love lamp is still decent, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but just Ron Burgundy is just, he's not that funny. Um, but the other part before I move on, it's just, it doesn't hold up as well. It's, it's no longer a favorite of mine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's not unfunny, but whatever. But the only, so champ is not a funny character. He's the weatherman guy, the whoa whammy guy. Um, but the one part of his that still made me laugh was when, uh, and it probably doesn't age very well, but. When he's when they're talking about Christina Applegate's character, he's like, "Oh, she's a she's a hot blah blah blah." He's like, "I would like to lather her butt up with some barbecue sauce and blah blah blah." Like, (laughs) whatever he says there is really funny. Um, I love David Koechner. I mean, he's kind of like the the go to like inappropriate guy, but like him as Todd Packer is amazing. Oh, in the office, yeah. (laughs) What's up, my nerds? 
Yeah. Overall, his character doesn't do much for me anymore, but just the physical comedy of that and like the his his sound effects of like lather up that booty with some barbecue sauce like just the yeah. the delivery is really funny um but yeah anchorman i'll forever have some nostalgia for it but it's it's not one that i'm like yeah anchorman holds up big time you know not for me i could definitely see that probably why i'm uh not going back to it Sir, I- Honestly, I mean, I'm not saying I'm completely out on rewatching Anchorman, but I think there are certain movies that I just kind of want to let lie, you know? Like, I have my memories of it, and I don't want to go back to it. I just want to remember the movie as it was, and because I know if I rewatch it, those memories will change. And was it worth rewatching? Probably not. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to taint your memory of it. Yeah, That's exactly. Fair. I, now I'm curious to rewatch Talladega Nights because now I feel like Talladega Nights might be the superior one, but it's been a while since I've seen it. I, so I don't know. I'm also in the in the camp of wanting to rewatch Talladega Nights because that's one of the Will Ferrell comedies from that era that I probably haven't seen in the longest. Really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe we uh, <laughs> we uh, do a retro review of. Uh, Talladega Wolf. Nights. Oh, I was thinking of Will Ferrell retrospect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> semi-pro. Um, what's the Blades of Glory? Just like mid oh, yeah. old school, just like early mid two thousands Will Ferrell movies. Could be huge. end it with Step Brothers. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the peak of. Uh, that's oh, another. That was definitely though. peak. No, no, no! Don't say it. Matt. Oh, it's overrated. It was even oh, overrated back then. Oh, come but. on. <laughs> no, I don't think it was it's overrated good. back then. I think it's grown in, since then. Uh, I Well, yeah, wrongfully. it's That's a movie that was not... It was good, but... I don't know. People really... If anything, that movie has grown in... Uh, like, people love Set Brothers, you know? And I just, it's so quotable, though. I mean, it's is it it's, though? It's worthy. Yeah, I would have said the same thing about Anchorman, but turns out that a lot of those quotable lines are not that funny anymore. It could also just be my circle of peeps, maybe. Because Chelsea's dad is like the biggest Will Ferrell fan, and Step Brothers is probably like in his top three <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I do. I mean the the scene. At the acapella scene in the car will never not be funny when they do the Guns N' Roses <laughs> oh, <yeah>. thing. <laughs> that will never not be funny, but <laughs> the rest of it, I don't know. There's just like a specific kind of person who claims that movie is their favorite movie. You know what I mean? I feel like who do you hate, Matt? Person. Who loves you? Know Step the kind Brothers. of person I'm talking about. Just like. <laughs> You're like kind of homophobic, kind of racist friend who is like a good guy, but like a little unhinged and is like, you know, loves the part while Will Ferrell rubs his balls on the drums. Uh, are you are you describing Chelsea's dad? It's <laughs> yeah. exactly what I'm describing. No, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. That is one movie that I feel like probably won't hold up. I I know what you we'll I know what you mean, Matt. But we can't blame the movie. We gotta blame the people. Remember? Yeah, it's the people's fault. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Specific time and place. Step Brothers. 
Very funny movie. I liked it. Didn't love it even then. Um, okay, one other thing I'm going to talk about, and then we can wrap her up, is Haley and I went and saw Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Mm. Um, and I liked it a lot. I did not realize that it was written and directed by the same uh, filmmaker who did The Edge of Seventeen, which I I really like that movie too. That's one of my uh, one of my favorite like modern coming of age like high school movies. Um, mm-hmm. Liked it a lot back when I saw it, and I did not read Are You There, Goddess? Me, Margaret. When I was a kid, I honestly couldn't have told you much about the plot. Um, yeah, I, that book know, was for girls back in the day. Big time. Back in the days. <laughs> <laughs> well, still is. <laughs> when it That's was a girl you know, book. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading Goosebumps. <laughs> and um, But I really liked it. I, the only reason I don't like it more is that it is definitely kind of slight. Like it's a it's a low stakes movie. It's very much like even in the drama, it's like very low stakes, but very grounded performances. Like Rachel McAdams, I love her. She's the best. Like she's so good as the mom in this movie. Um, your boy Benny Softy plays the dad. Um, Dude, this this guy's everywhere. I know he's he's blowing up. He's gonna be huge. They, no, they need to fucking tone it down and make Dial some back. movies. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him as an actor. You know. He's an Oppenheimer too. It's insane. Yeah, he's he's given up directing, dude. My, the acting is where the paychecks are. He's gonna leave. Uh, Josh ooh. is holding it down. Yeah, Josh. It's gonna be a Cohen Brothers type thing where it's just gonna. Oh no! Although the other Cohen is making a movie. He's got a movie coming out this year, I think. Um, who's it? Joel? Right. Which one did Macbeth? Joel's the main guy. He did Macbeth. Okay, Ethan's. so Ethan has something coming out this year, I oh. believe, of his own. I thought Ethan, this is how, this is classic, classic scenario where the duo breaks up because, you know, creative differences or one what doesn't want to do it anymore or whatever, but then just, you know, a couple years later, they're both doing separate projects. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know. I don't really know a ton about what into... Like, no, I don't either. But yeah, this happens in music too, where you know a band will break up or a duo will break up, and then they're like, "I don't want to do music anymore." But then they start their side project, and it's like, "You sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> you sure about that? Are you sure about that?" So uh, his new movie is called Drive Away Dolls. It's a killer title, right? Yeah, I'm, knowing nothing about it, it's a it's a comedy road film. And it stars Margaret Qualley, uh, Beanie Feldstein, Pedro Pascal. I mean, come on. You're in oh, now. Oh, man. Right? Of course. Everyone's hero. Pedro. Vote for Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Anyway, I was talking about Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Road tripping lesbians fueled up on drive insanity. I, I don't know about this poster I'm looking at here. Yeah, the poster's not great, but... Anyway, so there, he's back in business. Um, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Highly recommended. I didn't love it because it's just like a little... It's, it's low stakes. It's like it didn't blow me away, but 
Um, I think it's an important movie. I mean, it was an important book in the same way that the book is important. I think it's an important movie. It's something that, you know, young girls, really just young people should watch. It's, it's a great coming of age story. Awesome performances. You know, it's funny. Just doesn't excel in any particular department, whether dramatically or the comedy, you know, it's not like a, it's not a gut busting comedy by any means, but you know, it made me laugh. It, you know, it was heartfelt, awesome performances. So it's one that I would recommend to people. Um, yeah, that's it for me. What else? Anything else uh, All right. from you? I have two things, but I'll probably be brief on them. I watched The Sun, the new Florian Zeller flick, director of The Father, has mm-hmm. now done The Sun. I believe, um, I want to say this was based on a play of his, just like The Father was. But, um, and I was, I liked The Father, but I didn't love The Father. I, part of it was it felt a little gimmicky. Uh, you still need to watch that because I'm very curious to, to to see how you would uh, react to it. Yeah, still haven't caught up with it, but I plan to at some point. The Sun, though, I think you can skip. Uh, that's exactly why I have done so. People were shitting on that movie like big time. <laughs> well, it's 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 hard to talk about without spoiling it, but it is very weird tonally and. There's kind of like a moment towards the end that feels like a fake out that felt a little insincere or like disingenuous. Like, I don't know. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like manipulative? Mm, what was it going it's, for? Like It's more of a, just like a fake out where you, you think you're, you know, what you're seeing on screen you think is one thing, but then it's actually not that. Oh, interesting. Which is very weird given the context of the the film. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird movie tonally. I mean, it deals with um, like teenage depression and suicide, and like you you kind of feel for the son at times, but then I mean, you do feel for him. But I guess just the way the movie handles it, just doesn't feel right and there, there's some good i think that's what people have the biggest that that's where people have their biggest issues with the movie is just the way it handles the tough subject matter i mean it's i wouldn't say it's necessarily an easy thing to do but i think the way it handles it is wrong in this movie um there's some good performances i mean there's some Familiar faces, Hugh Jackman, Vanessa Kirby, Laura Dern, Anthony Hopkins. So it's, you know, I guess it's somewhat worth a watch based on some of those performances. But like, I don't know, the story, the direction, just the overall like feeling watching it wasn't really digging. This was a plain watch for the record. Oh, okay. Probably the only place that you would pull the trigger on that movie, I would guess. Yeah. Seems I'm sure you like had seen perfect. some of the things that I had seen too, right? Like just like uh, reception was much cooler on uh, that than the father was. 
Right, yeah. But um, when I was looking for movies to download on Netflix, that one popped up, and I figured it's now or never with this one. (laughs) So can't say I regretted it because I was just trying to kill time in the in the plane, but um, I would not recommend it. Okay. Well, I will take your advice. Probably won't be watching that. I do want to catch up with the father, though, for sure. You should. Uh, last thing I'll talk about is I rewatched Greenberg, the Noah Baumbach flick starring Ben Stiller from 2010. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see this one? Yeah, I saw it back in the day. Sweet. I remember liking it, not loving it, but I liked it. So I was the same way. I saw, I believe I saw this in the theater back in the day and was lukewarm on it, liked it, but it didn't really stand out. I don't, did I mention this was another plane watch? No, but that makes sense, I though. <laughs> I don't know if it was because I was up in a plane or not, but I liked it a bit more on this rewatch. It might be because I'm a bit older. Not that I necessarily relate to Ben Stiller's character a whole lot. I mean, there's parts of his character that I could relate to. Um, but I liked it a bit more. I thought it was actually really funny on rewatch. There's a couple moments that really stood out to me on like a comedic level. And my memory of this was just like, oh, it's like a mumblecore movie star in Ben Stiller. And, you know, it's it's fine, but nothing of note. But I I really like I really like Greenberg. I think there's some funny moments and I really like the way it ends and you do kind of feel for his character a bit because he's kind of a failure and also dealing with some personal stuff and just him trying to navigate all that in his current situation I thought was pretty compelling. Okay, I'm curious. A lot of those a lot of that era of Noah Baumbach's career, I'm curious to revisit. Because um, he had quite a few movies that came out in that like period, mm-hmm. right? Like post well, Win the Whale. Greta Gerwig plays a pretty big role in this movie, and I think that was before she really was Greta Gerwig, you know? Yeah, she kind of... Frances Ha was after, and that was kind of where she, you know... Was kind of on the map. I mean, she had been in a ton of like mumblecore stuff, and mm-hmm. but that was where she, I think, was kind of put on the map as like a like. Oh, we need to look out for, look out for her. This is this is going to be huge, because she wrote the screenplay for Francis Ha, but he directed it, right? Mm. I don't think I'm, she made that movie, did she? I thought they they te- tag team that Miss America movie or whatever it was called, but I'm not sure about Francis Ha. Well, so he, okay, it says he directed directed Noah Baumbach, but they wrote it together. Okay. And then Mistress America is another one that I also loved, but have not seen since. Like, I gave that movie five stars when I saw it, but. Holy. I think I watched that movie twice trying to figure out how people got to their star ratings. (laughs) Still have not. Yeah, that's another one that I'm curious to revisit. But yeah, they co-wrote See, that together too. Out of the three that we named, I'm probably Greenberg? in the minority, but I, I like Greenberg the most. Interesting. All right. Where, where I think most people would probably say that's Francis their least Hall, favorite probably. of the three. Well, I'm just... Oh, I'm just, yeah, yeah. Of the three at least. But yeah, it's just... A, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit more than just like that awkward 
mumblecore dramedy type movie from that era. It spoke to me a bit more today than it did 13 years ago. You said it's uh, Netflix you downloaded that? Yep. should still be on Netflix. Okay. I might give it a poke. Cool, cool. Anything else? That's it. You got to you got to keep with the bare bones stuff when you're a mile high. Yeah, nothing too uh <laughs> visually stimulating, something that you can Reality enjoy. was also watched on the plane for the record if Oh, really? Just <laughs> keeping track at home. <laughs> nice. Um cool. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh coming up next, Asteroid City? Huh? Are you are you Question. in or are you out on Asteroid City? I mean, uh, I'm in. I'm going to see it for sure. But I I will watch it. Yeah. Am I excited for it? Eh. No. No. Hmm. I don't get excited for Wes Anderson movies. Oh, I still do. Come on. I mean, he only had one stinker. I old dogs. No. <laughs> ha- haven't we been over this? I, I'm not <laughs> a hater of Wes Anderson, but I'm not like a a Wes Standerson. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. This this one, you're going to love this one. I'm calling it now. You think so? Oh, yeah. Well, we got that. We got Elemental. The new Pixar movie comes out this upcoming weekend. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, you know, there's some stuff coming up, coming down the pipeline. The weekend that Asteroid City comes out, Haley and I will be in Portland. This upcoming weekend that we're recording... You're going to be hanging out with our boy Travis coming in. Not Travis, huh? Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> You're going to be hanging out with Kyle flying in from Michigan. Um, so, you know. I will actually be out of town the next two weekends. Oh, shit. Well, someday we'll record an episode about something. I could That much maybe, we can say for sure. I could maybe do an episode sometime next week, but we'll have to figure that out off air. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But otherwise, we'll we're looking at the end of June, beginning of July. Yes, we gotta try to get at least an episode or two in before we clear our schedules for the Oppenheimer Barbie double feature, which we have uh, to do. Yes, which we have to do. It's gonna be huge. Um, it's gonna be a four-hour episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. Lock in. <laughs> oh yeah, it's gonna be a big one, but. You know, plenty of stuff coming out in the meantime, so we'll uh, we'll nail down exactly what's next. But uh, want to thank all of the listeners for joining us. Appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you are subscribed to the feed on your plat your uh, podcast platform of choice, so you can see all the new episodes that are coming down the pipe. Uh, digest next episode. Uh, we've got a series, Summer of Slashers. Don't know exactly when we'll record. Uh, the first episode in that series, but we've been watching a lot of slasher movies this summer. So if you're a fan, even if you're not a fan, check it out. We'll have some fun conversations, I'm sure. Um, so that's that's the future. But for now, that's gonna do it. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Travis. Uh, that's gonna do it. Goodbye. Toodles. Okay,